everyone, and welcome back to the Auto Remarketing Podcast. My name is Nick Solovich, part of the team at Cherokee Media Group, and we welcome you to a special episode recorded during Used Car Week 2022 in San Diego. It's a panel discussion titled The New Consumer Journey Horizon, moderated by Craig Quisenberry of ACV. And it features several dealers, including Nick Johnson with Luther Automotive, Nate Myers of Performance Automotive, Alan Cherry with Larry H. Miller Dealerships, Sean Hopper with Dolan Toyota, Todd Caputo with Todd Caputo Consulting, and Danny Papakalos with Number One Cochrane. Thank you again for joining us for this special episode of the Auto Remarketing Podcast, recorded during Used Car Week 2022. Hey, welcome everybody. It is, it is the senior moment. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope this session is gonna be uh, rewarding and valuable to you all. We've had a, a great panel assembled here for you. Um, for those of you that read through uh, the uh, information on this particular session, this is about the consumer new journey horizon. And, and I titled it that way uh, very specifically because in the automotive space, as, as everybody has learned, if you, if you didn't know that before you got here this, uh, this week at Used Car Week, vehicle inventories are becoming very, very difficult to find. And as a matter of fact, even at auctions, we are finding a lot of cars are resurfacing through multiple channel, channels and multiple auctions. Dealers across the nation are now starting to embrace, more and more so, we saw it last year, uh, where they are buying cars direct from consumers, direct from consumers' homes, businesses, uh, and other channels that they can get at as a direct source. So with that, I thought it'd be fascinating uh, to get a group of people, these wonderful people I'll introduce here real quick, uh, to find out what are they doing in the industry? What, how are they managing through this time and, as we know, the future time, next year and the year after, and maybe even the year after that, how are they managing inventory acquisition direct from consumers and that is a new horizon, a new journey experience for all of us. So with that said, I uh, want to introduce the panel just briefly. Todd Caputo, uh, used car king, as, as most of us know you. Used to be. Used to, well, yeah, I, I still know you as that. Uh, Alan Cherry, my good friend, uh, an occasional golfing partner with uh, Larry H. Miller, uh, now with Asbury, right? Sean Hopper, Dolan Automotive Group, and wonderful Reno. And, and if you haven't been to Reno, it is a place to visit, let me tell you. Uh, Nick Johnson, Luther Automotive Group, wonderful to have you here. Nate Myers with Performance Automotive Group. And some of you have seen Nate uh, in an earlier session uh, where he talked specifically about this. And lastly, Dana, Danny Papi, Papa, I knew I was gonna mess this up, Danny. Close. It's Danny Papakalos. You can call me Pepsi-Cola, it doesn't matter. You okay, know. so there you go. All right. So with that said, team, hey, let's jump in, and uh, uh, I'm gonna give you the first question. All of you have seen this, so you should be well prepared. In 2022, we've seen the effects of the pre three previous years of depletion of inventories, but specifically fresh inventory. How has this impacted your operations as it regards overall used car sales, profitability, and the consumer market share? Think of and before I finish this, the consumer market share, where you may have been selling a lot more used cars, 
Now you're selling fewer, making more money, but you're selling fewer. Are you still maintaining market share? So with that, Sean, I'm gonna start with you right in the middle. Okay. Uh, we have seen, uh, we, have, we have a buying center. We have our, uh, we've launched our own uh, Dolan Buys Cars. Inventory acquisition with the lack of new, we've had to find our used. Our sales uh, are not down on used. They actually have held steady or a little higher in some of the stores. And the grosses are going, yes, they are going well. Uh, but that has caused uh, some, some delays in pricing and getting back on that game. Overall, going pretty good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Alan, I know uh, LHM has always been at the forefront of the industry. How's it going over there? So ours is a combination of two things. We were really pushing into 21 with the Larry Miller groups and with the purchase of Asbury, it kind of swung, swung us in a little bit different direction. Asbury spent a lot of time and money on a, a, the click site called ClickLane uh, that was customer interfacing and they've been in the process of implementing that into all the Larry Miller dealerships. Um, so it's been a learning curve for our guys, but in terms of sales or gross margins of, I mean, I'd be stunned if anybody up here said the gross margins are struggling right now. Uh, we have seen a little dip in the last three months on them. Market share, it's hard for us to say on market share since we're combining with Asbury and making changes. Um, and then uh, in terms of the customer interfacing, our site has worked at two avenues. It's also purchases, and they're getting that down with the purchases for the customer on the site in under 20 minutes. And then on the pickup of vehicles or trades, once a customer is in our store and we put our hands on the car, based on the information they're giving us on the website, we're able to give them a check within five minutes five minutes if there's no discrepancies from what they've entered in there and the pictures they've submitted. Wow, very impressive, very impressive. Nate, you, uh, you had a session uh, yesterday that was uh, well attended. Um, can you tell us a little bit how performance is managing this? So we're, we're pretty flat this year in terms of volume, but that obviously could have been down. We made a pretty big investment in going after consumer-facing cars which we know we've pumped hundreds of additional cars into our stores through that. So if we hadn't started looking at that, you know, 18 months ago, we probably would be down in sales. Um, our grosses are, you know, kind of slipping a little bit the last 90 days. It's looking like it's starting to correct itself this month. But, you know, the, the one big thing is, and I know we'll get into it later, but, the, you know, the additional gross that we've made on these consumer cars that we're buying is bigger than the cars that we buy at the auction. We, we buy a lot of cars. Um, I think I touched on it yesterday. The two platforms I oversee, over 15,000 used cars last year. So I mean, we're definitely in the acquisition game big time. So, Interesting. And, and Nick, now you know a little something about buying cars from customers, right? Yeah, so uh, fortunately for us, pre-COVID, we'd already took ourselves to looking at an, another avenue of offering to go to the customer and buy from their driveway. So pre-COVID doing that, maybe 50% of our customers saying, yeah, come out to me. And then all of a sudden COVID hits and it's 100%. So fortunately going into COVID, we actually more than tripled our acquisition from consumers, um, which helped bridge that uh, difference between uh, what we can buy at the auctions and other sources. 
Uh, I don't think the buying from consumers is gonna be the, the solve all. I think it's something that we have to continue to look at growing and being better at and having that more of a customer experience than just the vehicle acquisition, meaning uh, I think a lot of us talk about wholesale, retail, as well as auction, what are you gonna do with the vehicle, but really provide a service to the customer. Mm-hmm. And in the end, you're gonna have a lot larger volume of opportunities, which will be profitable for the store. So we're not gonna give up on buying from auctions because we still need to have a higher volume year over year. And also that uniqueness of each consumer car isn't gonna sit there and fill up your CPO Camrys, your CPO RAV4s, any consistent level that day, that week, that month. So you have to continue to look at all your sources. Got it. And Danny, you've, you've given some thought to this. I know you've, you've uh, noodled it around a little bit. What's your thoughts? Well, uh, you know, we're all trying to do the same thing in a sense, fishing from the uh, 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 same sources in a sense. I come from a group that has uh, 30 rooftops, so it's a team sport for us now. Uh, buying the car is more important than selling a car. I said that a couple of days ago. And we try to put that not only into that message to our team, but brand it as well, to use our economy of scale to make sure that uh, you know, people are understanding. We just don't buy, uh, we don't just sell cars at our dealerships. We're, we're looking to buy, and in fact, we want to promote that more, QR codes in the service driver thing. Those kind of things are, are, are important because that is the, the new normal. You know, we don't buy very uh, many vehicles from an auction. We don't we rarely purchase from the auction because uh, that's, a, that's a dangerous game to play, especially in the volatility of today's market. And what we focus on is you know, nothing bad happens when you buy a car. It's what you do after you buy the car. So, you know, seeing that there's margin compressions in the marketplace right now, we, we're focusing on making sure that we do what we have to do to sell the car in the first 30 days. Because in that measurement, I've, I've discovered there's about a $1,700 variance between the first 30 days and anything we sell day 31 and plus. So wow. buying the car, that's a good thing. It's what you do after you buy the car that really makes a difference on, on, your, uh, on your ability to, to take market share and also what I like to say, you know, uh, preserve and, uh, and, and protect your, 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 your uh, PVRs. Yep, yep, makes sense. And uh, Todd, you, you've, you've made an interesting change. You've moved uh, from the world of retailer as retailer uh, to now consultant. Are you hearing or seeing a lot of demand for uh, what we're talking about here today? So the dealers that um, I'm currently working with now, uh, part of the strategy that... Uh, I work them on is purchasing from consumers off the street, but you know I think it's important for everybody to to really think about. You know, he already said it. Everybody's doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you're gonna brand yourself and market to people that you buy their car, I think you have to really do something unique and different. You can't just have a sign up out front of your store that says "We buy cars" or have a a display ad uh, in digital. You have to be really, really creative because everybody's doing it, right? So I think if you want to get that car from that customer, um, get them either get them in the door or give them a really good experience online um, that's engaging, but you got to get them there first. And if it's just, you know, we want to buy your car, I don't think you're going to be successful because it's a very crowded, noisy uh, message. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. So there, as many as of, of us have seen this week, uh, there are companies that have special tools or processes or both uh, that uh, ACV being one, where you can help create more transparency for a consumer to, to sell you their car, or in many cases, actually win that customer as a retail customer. Last year, we saw, last year being 2021, 
we saw between 21 and 22 a, a doubling uh, from 4% to 8% of consumer acquisition from home in the automotive space. What tools or processes are you using uh, to help double your numbers or improve the numbers that you want to improve? And uh, with that, I'm going to start with Alan. Well, I, I hate to say it because I'm, well, I know one of them is in here, but the other, I don't, I'm not sure, but we use CarMax and, and Carvana. It's a big tool for us. Uh, a lot of the customers bring in that magic sheet of paper, and and they show they like we we're very strong at saying don't show us the paper until after we do our jobs. Um, and I'm going to use a little bit of what Danny said earlier. The key for us is every as we say everybody can buy a car. In the old days, you raised your hand. Nowadays, you click the button. But what's your plan of action after you buy the car? Because not every car you get from the retail customer or the consumer can go on your front line in that area. So you have to have a plan of action from day one. And for us, knowing what that plan of action is based off of the car, whether we're going to wholesale it using the tools that we have, uh, analytics now is so great, cost to market, day supply, it's so variable in Minneapolis with the Luther Group, your your day supply might be 105 on that car, yet in Dallas, Texas, it's 50. So you, depending on what market you're in, you may make your check significantly higher or not. So it, it plays, you got to have the right people in place and you got to have the right tools with them and then it's got doing your job with the customer. That's excellent. Uh, Nick, you, you have a process, I know as well. Yeah. Uh, we have an evaluator which you know, they can go into our funnel and they go through and answer the questions like many products do have. But they only, we only communicate with those that actually want to transact or close enough they want to transact to have a conversation. So we have a BDC team that's actually working with that initial customer, asking the questions, and then setting up those appointments. And once we have the appointments set up and we're actually verifying the condition of the vehicle, we're buying 75, 85% of that product, right? So it's that conversation, still that people component behind it and make that customer experience and solving a, an issue or problem. Many of our customers will say, hey, I've got a car to sit in my driveway for three years, can you help me with it? How many of us at other dealerships say, hey, I'm not wasting any time trying to find or help those individuals out? Whereas, yeah, no problem, we can have it picked up, we'll run it to scrap or whatever it is, but we're still providing a service, whether we make money on that particular unit or not, but if you look at what that can bring for our culture, our store, our company, our brand, it's growing the brand. So Very good. And Nate, uh, I know you have tools, you have processes, uh, you have a BDC team. Uh, tell us about what you're doing. We do. So with our acquisition center, we, we have a very similar to a BDC format that handles the lead. Uh, kind of echo what Nick said is once we, we focus on the people that want to sell today and buy their car, and our conversion rates 80% or higher every month on those people wow. when we go to the appointment. But I think what Nick said, you, you have to be different than your competitors, right? I think I touched on it yesterday a little bit in the workshop that I did. Um, <clears throat> you know, we'll, we'll buy their car today, we'll issue a check today. Even if you sell your car to Carvana, you're waiting on them, right? CarMax, you can walk into a CarMax and walk out. But the big thing that we have been focusing on is going to the consumer, consumer and also, we'll buy any car, right? And I think to Nick's point, you get cars that don't run sometimes, and as you're building a brand and a service, it's about word of mouth. One thing that 
we do, I touched on it, is we utilize ACV for the live appraisal. Talk to a customer, everybody knows, buy a trailer, they watch what their car does. We offer an opportunity for somebody to put a car in front of an audience that we know none of our stores want anything to do with that car. But if, if that car can, if we can buy that car from the consumer and they're happy with the process, we obviously try to book the, a little wholesale profit on our end. But if they're happy with it, it's something totally different, right? No, no one's going out and sending a professional appraiser out to look at your car, put your image of your car in front of hundreds of people on the internet, and then us come and buy the car, right? I think I said yesterday, we have trucks, we have everything we need to do, we don't have to tow the car. So I think standing outside and being different than everybody and branding yourself with good customer service is the way to go with this. Very good. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I'm going to change it up a little bit here uh, just because we've we all been sitting in rooms now for a couple of days. So show of hands, and I'm kind of curious about this one. Buying a car from a consumer versus buying a car at an auction, do you believe a consumer purchase, you make more PVR retail? Hands in there. Okay. So I, I thought that'd be, you know, sometimes audible questions are great. Visuals are better. Just, you know, I don't have any slides to show, so that's the best slide I could come up with today. So with that in mind, um, there's a lot of competition in this space. Uh, there's a lot of tools. Um, what are you doing to compete with uh, the large aggregators? Because there are, you know, Alan, you mentioned you work with Carvana. Uh, CarMax, I mean, they've, they've been at this for a long time. They've uh, worked through their processes uh, very well to be successful at this. Um, and because they are buying cars from consumers, those consumers might just be yours. They might be your consumer in your retail space. So how are you managing the process to keep your brand front and center as you go through this? And I'm gonna start with you, Sean. Well, well we, we have learned in our market, no matter who gives in the bid, we somehow, we're always higher. Um, when you get proof of it with a process with our customers, we do have a buying center. Just like everybody said, if you're gonna buy, you gotta buy no matter what the car is. Uh, we keep that consistent. Uh, we do manage our look to book and everything else and we, we do very well. But to not lose the customer is the biggest thing is we have to meet the customer where they're at. So if they want us to come to them, we'll come to them. We have a whole entire team that does that. Uh, we have a transport team, we do all of that. The biggest thing is just to never let the customer think that we're not standing behind our word and more customers come into us because we make the process pretty simple and pretty easy. Uh, we don't make them come to us. We'll go to them with pictures. We'll go to whatever it's got to do for the customer. You got to meet the customer where they're at. And right now they're at their house. Sounds good. Danny? So a couple of things that you need to cover here, at least from my perspective. Coming from a large group, but it doesn't matter if it's a large group, single rooftop, uh, we're associated with selling cars. That's the number one uh, thing that the, the consumers think about our dealerships. Marketing, having the ability to market the fact that we buy cars so you can separate the two. That, you know, uh, for, for me, number one, Cochrane, we buy cars. They know we sell cars, so we've got to make sure that we do that. All of us are using the basic, you know, the tools without having to, you know, give free advertising for any name brand, you know, any name tools. The, they all relatively do the same thing. The real magic happens behind the scenes. 
So what I mean by that is when you, you know, the tool is being used by managers, there's a lot of emotion involved, there's a lot of thoughts that go into it. The ability to remove that piece when acquiring a car is, is critical. So uh, for me, uh, I'm working closely with the CEO of my company, uh, Danny Patton, and we're building a centralized team that will appraise, acquire, and price the vehicles. That way, uh, first of all, you're, the, the emotion is removed. You have, you have managers at the stores. What they do best is selling cars and training people. My team that we're building is focused on one thing, the data involved in acquiring a car, pricing the car, what, what's the value. No emotion, put the right number, get it done, and then centralize the reconditioning process so the, that seamless process allows us to acquire more cars, allows us to give more money for the cars, the, the, the right money up front, because there's no emotion. It's not about selling a car. One of the biggest failures that we have in the service department is that we try to sell a car before we buy the car. We're going in there to buy the car, but what we wind up try, doing first is selling the car, because that's what we do. Removing that and making, you know, having this new opportunity uh, with, uh, with no emotion, just data-driven with people that are only focused on one thing. What's the value of the car? What can we sell it for? And what should we price it for? And then, obviously, we want to sell it in the first 30 days. So removing that, those obstacles will, makes it easier for our company to buy more cars, especially when it comes to street purchases, which is the, the new normal. You have to go to them. It's a game of hunting. They, it's not about waiting for them to come to us. That team will hunt for inventory uh, every day. That's their job. Makes sense. And, and uh, Todd, you, you know, you've been in this business and you've bought a few cars. Same question. What's your thoughts? So the dealers that I'm working with, uh, what we're doing is um, taking the name of their store and then um, adding a little bit of customization flair to it. Um, and it, what, what happens is it's a URL. It's a custom URL that leads them to the page where we give them the value of the car. Um, and we have QR codes that we have set up in the dealership. We, we've gotten stamps made for the back of all the employees' um, business cards, so a customer can scan the um, QR code as well that leads them to that page. And also what I've set up in most of the stores is compensation for everybody in the store if they buy a car, whether it's someone that works in accounting or the porter or a technician. Um, everybody in the store is incentivized to buy a car from a consumer. So, you know, if someone's driving home from work at night and they might be a technician at the store and they see a car for sale on the side of the road, they might drop their card off with the QR code saying we would buy the car. Um, and another thing that I would say too is, that's important is the process that I've been putting in the software it allows the consumers to upload photographs of the car as well mm. because a lot of these tools just, they, you know, they're algorithms that just give an instant value on the car. But if someone checks oversized wheels and tires or indicates that the car has any kind of damage on it. In a lot of cases, it throws off the algorithm. It could really either underbid a car or overbid a car. So what we encourage people to do is use the process and actually upload photos of their car. Um, then someone, a person can actually see it. And um, you'd be surprised at what you learn when you look at pictures of the car. Uh, from the consumer and how honest they are in most cases, they will, they'll, they'll find the damage on the car or take pictures of certain things. Um, and it gives people, I, I guess it makes it easier for people. You know, I've, I've mystery shop stores and you always, they always say, come on in, we'll see your car, we'll give you a number on it. I, I, people don't have time for that. I mean, people are smart enough now to copy and paste a VIN in four or five different places and see, you know, what kind of experience they're gonna get and what kind of value they're gonna get. 
if you have a process where you're uploading photos, it brings in someone that really wants to probably actually sell their car because a lot of people are just kind of fishing for numbers sometimes too because they just want to know what the car is worth. Maybe they can make money with it because it's coming off lease or whatever. So, hmm, Interesting. So what I'm hearing a little bit here is controls. Um, controls over the price or, or the, the value that's delivered to the consumer. Uh, the ability to manage, obviously, that relationship, uh, and probably, to some extent, marketing, right? I mean, you gotta get the message out somehow. So, uh, I'm kind of curious, this question, do your tools today, the tools that you're using today, do they give you enough control, and for the people that are supporting those tools, uh, us vendors, um, are we giving you enough support in either marketing, marketing collateralization, uh, or even best practices? Okay. So I'm going to start there. Nate, you, uh, you've got some tools. They deliver prices. Uh, how's that work for you? And do you have enough control to make certain you win in the digital space before they actually contact you? Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of improvement that can be made. I think the big theme, I've talked to a couple people, is from a CRM standpoint, right? There's really not a good CRM built out for customer acquisition. So I think that if you had the right type of CRM, it would help you right away because all of us, I think, agree a, a BDC-type format separated from your sales department, a dedicated team that's focused, you know, going after these opportunities we need to invest and at least get them the right tools on that end of it. As far as, you know, the numbers and, and what tool you use, there's a lot of options that are out there. So I think, you know, if you're unhappy with what you're using, you can pivot on a vehicle evaluation scale, right? But from a CRM standpoint, there's not anything out there. That would be my, my biggest area of opportunity that I could see improvement for us. Alan, with, uh, with the products and solutions you're using, how do you feel about that? Well, with the new click lane, um, I believe our, CM, our, our CRM tool is probably at the cutting edge uh, for, for where most dealerships and groups are at this point in time. Um, it allows that customer from anywhere in the United States to click a button and gives them, as soon as they get the pictures uploaded, I'm, I'm with with Todd here that I believe you you separate some of your customers uh, where you guys are, I, I don't know if you're more local because I'm not familiar, but if you're, we're nationwide, so we're hitting the whole market. So pictures are important to us because we, we get the pictures up, our close rates are night and day above uh, without pictures or fishing, I guess as you'd say. Um, but. For the, with the CRM tool, it allows the customer to get the information in to us, and at that point in time, it gives them a number, and it also gives them a Google map right to their closest dealership and a contact and a phone number for them. So nationwide, they can be putting this in, sitting right here in San Diego. We may not have a dealership in San Diego, but it's gonna give them their closest one to it. Mm, nice. So, and if we have, then if they use the dealer's website, it'll go specifically to that dealership. So we have our national website that, that covers the dealer website. So I believe from our standpoint, the tools are there. The centralized buying team is the key thing there because we take, as Danny said, the emotion away. Yeah. There's, there's nothing there. They're not worried about that they have 42 Toyota Corollas sitting on their lot. 
yep. right now, and so they're going to short bid that Toyota Corolla because immediately it's going to go to a different store for us in our in our scenario. Understood. So, uh, Nick, how, how about your tools? I mean, do, do they do they give you the control? Well, we're most successful because of the trust, the convenience, and experience that we're able to provide the customers that end up transacting with us. But in order to get there, you have to have a tool that provides them a value easy enough mm -hmm. where they can actually say, yes, I want to pursue this further. So our, our value area, we're always tweaking. We're always making edits. Um, could it be more robust? Yeah, I think we're going to keep investing and making more adjustments as you have this wholesale metric that's now is correlated to a retail exit strategy. And if you're using those type of APIs, that may not help you in your exit strategy if you're buying a retail unit, right? So we're always looking to tweak that piece. But ultimately, once we get past here, we're in the mix and something to consider, the secret sauce is the people behind it that are doing the conversation and relationships and us offering the convenience wherever they want to transact and then walking through with the customer. But that trust and the convenience of the check same day, hauling it, picking it up, dropping off, whatever it is, if you focus on that, you're going to be successful against some of the bigger outside of market competitors that you're up against. Very good. So with our final couple minutes, I want to ask a question uh, that isn't on the list. It isn't one I prepared you for. Very challenging question, one that'll make you all very uncomfortable. Um, no, not, it isn't that bad. Uh, the question I want to know, and, and I think it's important because we have media here, we have people uh, that are going to be talking to other dealers. How important, if you could speak to the, to the dealers that aren't here, okay? The dealers that aren't at Used Car Week, I know none of us understand why that, that's the case, but if you're not at Used Car Week, what would you say to that franchise or independent dealer or dealer group, large or small, how important is buying direct for consumer for the next couple years? Danny? It's probably the most important part of our daily operation, acquisition. Uh, that should be at the forefront. Of, uh, when you wake up in the morning and you're getting ready to uh, go to work, you should have a plan written out as to what, what you need to acquire, not only for today, but for next week and next month. So acquisition is going to be the defining moment for all dealerships in this Darwinian period. It, it, it's the make it or break it. You cannot sell what you don't have. So buying a car is more important than selling a car. Very good. Nate? I'm going to second it. I mean, the focus on buying consumer cars, we're going to have to continue to do because it's getting harder and harder to find good used cars, cars that have, you know, good miles that fit your brand. So to Danny's point, having a team and knowing what you need and putting people out there to go hunt those cars is going to be a big part of the success for the next few years. Very good. What do you think? Can't sell from an empty lot, right? So... Acquisition and buying inventory to increase market share has always been a, a high philosophy, a high focus for us. So not only is buying from the consumers at the store level as well as centrally, has to be a focus wherever you are, whatever you're doing. It's got to be part of your mix of frequency and reach. It's got to keep growing where you can get the inventory from, but have a dedicated team, staff, separated from selling to do so, for sure. Sean? I think what you just said, everybody that's here gets it. That's why we're here at Used Car Week. What we need to do is remind our staff of using a line for Moneyball. All he tells them is like, I didn't tell you what plays I was making. And if I don't tell the players, the plays won't get played on the field. On top of that, what no one has mentioned is 
we are buying cars and you have to treat it as a buying process and not a trade-in process. What we have found is managers will try to work that customer as a trade when they've already been given a quote. And so that's why they need to be involved. So we do have a centralized buying center and they buy a car. They put the money on what it takes to buy it, not to get it as a trade. So acquisition is huge, but you, all your players have to know, everybody has to know why you're doing it that way. They get the process through the customer. Very good, and Mr. Cherry? Um, as a publicly traded company, I can't use exact numbers anymore, but our net PVR is significantly higher from the consumer versus auction and trade-in, even when we're doing a car. When, we, when we're selling the car with the purchase, we, there's that room where you fluctuate. So that's a big, very important for us to continue that journey with the consumer. And then my dad would be proud of me, but I'll, I'll use one of his quotes that I use a lot with our employees. Prior planning prevents piss poor performance. And it's the six P's, and I use it constantly with my employees when we run into roadblocks. Very good. Uh, and uh, we'll have a slide up next year for that. Uh, and uh, lastly. I shouldn't have answered the question because I didn't have my prior planning. The six P's <laughs> are out of whack. And lastly, Todd, what's your thoughts? I think that every dealer at this point knows it. They, they, know, they know they don't have a choice, but I don't think every dealer really knows how to do it and, and do it right. And if you're a vendor and you've created software for this, I think it's not just a matter of putting a widget on a website. It's about training people, it's about putting processes in place, and it's about having the correct contact schedules and the correct template set up in CRM and really teaching people how to, you know, really just go after buying a car and, and, and not selling it. So it's gonna be really important for a long time. And the other thing I comment I would make is, you know, look at your own database first, like go after the lowest hanging fruit that you have, which is the least expensive, which is your own database of all the cars you've sold, the thousands and thousands of cars over the last God knows how many years. Um, equity mining is extremely important. Um, your, your service drive is extremely important and, you know, pay plans, right? Like make sure you design pay plans in your store that pay anybody and everybody that works in your dealership, even your vendors that you work with uh, for uh, a purchase. Very good. Well, I want to thank you all. Awesome that you uh, joined me here in Used Car Week. Thank you, Bill, for the opportunity. Absolutely. Round of applause for these gentlemen. Great conversation. Appreciate that. A great deal. Thank you again for joining us for this special episode of the Auto Remarketing Podcast, originating from Used Car Week 2022 in San Diego. And if you've missed any of our past episodes, just go to our website at autoremarketing.com and click on the podcast box to find our library of past episodes. Or be sure to subscribe via whatever platform you get your podcasts. For fellow hosts, Bill Zedite and Joe Overby, as well as our fantastic executive producer, Matt Rice, I'm Nick Zulovich. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you again next time on the Auto Remarketing Podcast.